Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 16 of your favorite podcast about all things elite. Welcome to all things elite on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. I am your host, Floyd Johnson. And with me today, filling in for a very sick Amy Euler, is from Keeping It Strong Style, the young boy, Josh Smith. How you doing, young boy? Listen, man, that was... An incredible introduction. We went through like three or four of them here off the air. No one else knows that, but I'm going to spoil it because I'm peeling back the curtain. But I am so glad to be on this show right now. Dude, those first like three attempts were so jacked. And it's like I knew exactly <laughs> I knew exactly what I wanted to say, but it just wouldn't come out. I'm like, I was like, I'm well rested. I'm not overly excited. I'm sitting here with a blanket on in my living room. So I was like, why can't I get this out? Why can't I get the this shit thing, out? <laughs> the strange thing is once I gave you a reminder that there's more than one royal family in wrestling, you nailed it. Because yeah, you know what? You reminded me uh, <laughs> that today is Five Star Friday, and Cody has a new nickname, which is Cody Five Stars. So, um, <laughs> you just—I told—I told you, you know—I told you this morning on our oh chat. Oh my god! This is going to be like this episode. I needed you on to keep me down because this was—if it was just me, it was going to be one long victory lap. So I was like, I need, I need Josh to, you know, keep me, keep me under control here. You're definitely going to need to take that victory lap because I've definitely been in a live audience where I have chanted at Cody three star savior, (laughs) man, you don't understand how many arguments where it's just like me versus six other people telling me how much he is average. So I was like, oh, my God. I was like, when when I saw it, and I was like, I know everyone has their favorite wrestlers, but it's just like, 
when I saw that he got the five stars, you you saw that was like the first post, and I posted it everywhere. Put it on Twitter, Facebook, all my wrestling groups. I texted a few people that I knew directly. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it yeah, we will definitely get to that. But uh, let's start off by reminding you uh, that this show is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV, where you can get access to over 4,000 hours of content from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries all around the globe onto your laptop or mobile device. If you use the code Social Suplex, you get your first month free. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely uh, do Power Slam TV. But this week on the show, it is we don't we don't have a lot of topics, but the topics we have will take a long time to talk about. So we're starting off, of course, with uh, double or nothing, and then we are uh, going to talk about the big debut here, there, in an interview. And uh, last but not least, we had a couple superstars, uh, a couple wrestlers signed uh, this year uh, week. Superstars is the WWE's term. So we're just going to call our people wrestlers, which is awesome. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, again, Amy is under the weather after our Las Vegas trip. We got to meet there. We're going to talk about the trip next week. And I was like, you know what? I need someone to even out, even this show out. So I called the podcast le- legend. He might be called Young Boy, but he is a veteran, Josh. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, Josh is going to. Josh is going to uh, give me a more even kill take on all of wrestling, which I definitely need him from him because I, you know, I'm like everything I do is at like a level 15. So I need somebody to bring that down a little bit. <laughs> well, well, first and foremost, uh, best wishes and, uh, you know, get well students go out to Amy. Um, isn't she like just such a sweetheart man dude yeah i mean and i was gonna tell her that it's everything when you listen to her on it you like there's no way someone can be this positive this happy and have this much energy and it's like then you meet her and you like she's everything that she comes across uh on the show and and she is the lovely person she like brings you in like you're part of the family like immediately so uh definitely definitely it was awesome meeting her did you meet her husband? Dude, yes. Uh, have you, you have you met him? Yeah, he's awesome. Dude, I I I I'm not trying to just put him over here because you know people tend to over when they meet someone, but he has this coolness about him. <laughs> I, I I don't know if you okay. I was I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, you're a little younger than me. Have you ever seen the movie Fast Time Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Of course. Okay, I'm just making sure, dude. I don't want to. No, but uh, just, I, I'm a cinephile, so I've, I see everything. Oh, okay, cool. Well, Spicoli's telling his friend, you know, his friend's like, he's ask, his friend's kind of asking him how to be to attract a girl, and he's like, you you gotta go into every room, like wherever you are, is the place to be. That's yeah. the best way to describe him. That's the best <laughs> way to describe Amy's husband. Wherever he is, is kind of the place to be. <laughs> yeah, they um they have two totally different but complementary energies about them, and uh, really really cool couple. I got to meet them in New York, and um, yeah, I just I I really you know appreciate both of them. I I was saying she needs to get him on her podcast, and she was saying, you know, she, that she had plans in the works to do that, and he was all you know being like, ah, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, definitely, and it's just like 
I'm like, yeah, if you follow his Twitter, he asked really good questions. I saw some stuff today, and I was like, dude, I need you to be running the All Things Elite Twitter because he asks these really good questions, thought-provoking questions that get uh, get a lot of people reacting. And it's like, man, th these are really good. But yeah, we were walking through the MGM Grand, and she, you know, she, me, and her are just talking because we're the talkers. And he's just like, and he just throw in a comment every now and then, and it was just like. Okay, it was exactly what was supposed to be said at that moment. It's was, it was very weird. Yeah. I was like, kind of got a man crush. I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's unfortunate that you don't have uh you know the the same kind of blessing that I do in that I've got a Jeremy Donovan to run the keeping a strong style, you know, social uh, media everything. Because if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have social media. I'd pretty much. <laughs> be non-existent we'd have no listeners and i'd just be recording and then probably deleting every episode not even uploading it basically yeah. well you know me i work at night so it just seems like i'm a really creepy dude because all of my messages are between like 10 p.m and 6 a.m <laughs> so, listen floyd I, I i've met you several times now and uh the, the last word i would use to describe you is creepy <laughs> well yeah i i, I have i have I have a lot of energy. I'll just say that. That's true. <laughs> that that I can concur. Yes. Uh, but if the first show, the blessing uh, for everyone that is uh, tuning in for the first time, uh, I thank you for uh, giving us a shot. We are going to talk about you know some wrestling now. But uh, first, I promised a contest uh, this June or. Tomorrow uh, is my birth month. I was born on June 10th, 1981. And because of that, I want to, uh, instead of getting a whole bunch of crap, I like to give stuff away uh, for my birth month. So this week, it will be a $50 gift card to Pro Wrestling Tees. I am not going to really put the instructions on Twitter on how to enter this contest because I want people to listen to the show. That's the whole point. But all you, I'm going to post the show in the uh, Saturday morning uh, when you'll see this post. You like, you know, make sure you're following uh, at AT Elite Pod. That's following our Twitter. You have to be a follower to win. Uh, like, retweet comment you know basically comment with who uh who impressed you most from double or nothing that's how i'll know you actually listen to the show you will comment with who impressed you most from double or nothing and you will be entered and next thursday well next friday right before i record i'll draw a name and announce the name on the show and uh, because they make it so easy, Pro Wrestling Tees, I will email you directly your $50 gift card, and you can use it to buy some Keeping It Strong style or Social Suplex swag. If, <laughs> if my answer is either Hikaru Shida or Brandy, am I gonna, is that going to be held against me? No, no, it's not going to be held <laughs> against you. Uh, dude, uh, man, uh, the Josie match, I will tell you live, I, I honestly didn't get really an impression. But I watched it. I, I definitely watched the uh, show back over the last day or two, and man, those chicks can work. Oh God, yeah, I'm about to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna definitely glow about all of them when I get there. That match is. That match. I don't think live did it. I know the live people enjoyed it, but for me, live didn't do it as much justice as on TV because those are some athletic chicks. <sighs> absolutely absolutely we're gonna get into that it's funny you mention uh, um your contest because i was thinking to myself for a moment i was like man i'm so impressed with floyd 
you know, he's doing these contests, bringing more awareness to the show and the network. Why don't we do that? And then I thought to myself, wait, we are doing that. <laughs> yes, because – we are. I am Social Suplex, dude. Every time. It's like follow Social Suplex. When I, when you listen, you follow Social Suplex. Y'all are well, me. What I, what I mean is my show actually is running a contest, but I forgot that we were running a contest. <laughs> um, it, it, it's not. We're not taking new entrants, but we, uh, we, we are running a, uh, a bracket contest for the oh, best yeah. Super Juniors. Which um, the winner of that will get uh, credit to keep, uh, to the Pro Wrestling Tees store, or I think we're actually just buying them a shirt. But um, you know, there's only two more shows left, and only you know, I don't, I won't give away any spoilers. If you want to check it out, you can check out my show at Keeping It Strong Style. But um, I will say that the tournament has turned out almost verbatim exactly how me and Jeremy predicted it would turn out just two weeks ago. So. A little bit of a, uh, you know, victory lap on that one. Yeah, not not only, you know, am I part of Soul Suplex, I am an avid listener to your show. So, yes, it has. It actually, actually, the matches have been amazing. You know, what I've gotten to see, I've only watched about half of the matches here and there. Especially when y'all say a match is amazing, I will go and watch it pretty much immediately. Uh, because it's just during this weird time where I was doing a whole bunch of other stuff. But yeah, uh, it's you. You know, basically, you were the spoiler alert in this situation. You said, "Hey, this is what's going to happen," and it's kind of played exactly out like that. And uh, I, I do know one thing that I just want to take a victory lap right now. I said three weeks ago that Ryosuke Taguchi would would get ten or twelve points by the end of this tournament, and we are going into the final night. He has 12 points. People said I was crazy. I didn't know what I was talking about. And, yeah. And tomorrow I'm going to be recording, my, you know, the, the final Best Super Junior show, uh, you know, regarding that. Rich Latta, who is uh, the co-host the co of One Nation Radio and one of the figureheads here at uh, Social Suplex, he told me, he's like, yo, you're back on your bullshit. Why are you trying to, you know, sell off this Taguchi shit once again? And I said, bro, just listen. And when he comes on the show, I'm going to make him do exactly what Chris Jericho was unable to get the elite to do. He's going to apologize to me. And thank you for being a part of the social suplex and bringing everyone in to listen. That's what he should thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank me for bringing everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you are the reason. You are the reason. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I feel very confident that the majority of the people who listen to our show, the baby face on that show is definitely Jeremy Donovan. Oh, like, uh, that's, that, that's who they tune in for. You were flat out called the other guy two weeks ago. Yeah. Someone called me the other guy. He's like, yeah, <laughs> like they didn't even know who they, they didn't know for sure that they're even talking to Jeremy, but they're just like, uh, I got a question for the other guy. Like what? <laughs> I laughed. I had to press pause. I had to press pause and immediately message Jeremy. I was like, he's the other guy. <laughs> Oh, man, that's crazy. The other guy, Josh Smith. That's your other. You uh, got a new nickname. You know. You know. On Voices of Wrestling, they go through all of. They go through all of. Dude, why am I now? Joe Lanza's all his nicknames. You got a second one now. How can I get a? I want to get a uh, a nickname <laughs> like him, the Kenta Kobashi of <laughs> sex. You know, it's kind of weird because I met Kenta Kobashi, and I'm like, 
Did you say you're the Joe Lanza of Pro <laughs> I should have. I should have. But I looked at him and I was just like, uh, that's the guy. Because, you know, me, I, you know, pure, uh, Perezu for me started just like three years ago. So Kenta Kobashi was before my time. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, Bro, you, you have to watch Kenta Kobashi. <laughs> Do yourself a favor. You know what would be a really good introduction match for you and any listeners out there? If you're not too up on Noah, you're not too up on, you know, uh, 90s All Japan. Just watch his match with Samoa Joe from Ring of Honor in 2006. In my opinion, it's the greatest Ring of Honor match of all time. And uh, him and Samoa Joe, that's like the best introductory match you could probably get to Kenta Kobashi. Man, you just say Samoa Joe to me and go watch Samoa Joe. I'm down. Uh, I will definitely have to find that show. Yeah, yeah, do it. It's it, You can find it uh, online for free. There's uh, It's out there. My brother just sent me a message, and he does not keep up with wrestling as much as everybody else does. Doesn't listen to podcasts as much as everyone else does. But he asked me, uh, "Did uh, Shane buy AEW?" <laughs> you know, we started joking. Uh, we had a big party here at Strong Style Dojo. Uh, about nine different buddies from uh, we got a we got our own Facebook group called the Largo Loop. You know, because we're out here on the Largo Loop, so a lot of us attend those NXT shows. And um, we had about nine guys here, which was really awesome. And um, I made a joke right before the show started. I was like, what if when the show starts, Vince shows up on the telecast and he's like, you know, like like basically the, the last Nitro, essentially. And like people were like, oh, my God. I was like, what if this man just flat out was like, I don't want competition. I'm buying this shit. It's over. <laughs> you know what? When you try to buy something for someone, you should probably have more money than them, which is that would probably be a thing. So I don't yeah, think he, you're, he, you're right. <laughs> just like, like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, cons would be like, uh, we have more money than you. We're good. <laughs> our, t- our stuff isn't based on ratings. You know, we have a product and that we sell a lot of, and they are. Yeah. I like, it was funny. Cause I, I've already heard of Tony Khan. I mean, not Tony Khan, uh, Shad Khan. Cause when he, I'm a big NFL, uh, fan, of course, and I had no idea, you know, how much money they had. I was like, what? Yeah. When I started the show, I was like, learn more. And I was like, good Lord. Yeah, they could be WWE like times two if they wanted to be. <laughs> so it, it reminds me of that old Chris Rock skit where he was like, Shaq is rich. <laughs> the old white man who white, who writes his checks He's wealthy. wealthy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> there's, there's, there's different levels to this stuff, you know. Man. Like, like Vince McMahon is wealthy, but in in terms of him and and the cons, Vince is rich. Yes, the cons yes. are wealthy. Yes, yeah. They would be like they they would have to lose like seriously two thirds of their wealth to get down to where Vince is. So that is that is crazy to me. That's crazy because you know I can't even I can't even fathom a hundred million dollars. You know what I mean? Having a yeah. hundred million dollars, I couldn't even fathom that. That's just like that's just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, "Oh, they have billions of dollars." I'm like, "What do you do with that?" <laughs> it's just like you just have it at that point. You rule. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. I'm excited, man. You know, nobody really uh, has tried to reach out to me to get my my takes or my views on this show. And obviously, it's not it's something I wanted to discuss, but it's not something that we'd be able to go super in depth. On my show, so I'm very, very glad to be a part of this, and honored yeah, and that I, you bring me. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm honored to have you. Yeah, I'm just, I'm honored to be back. Uh, hopefully, you know, um, this show goes well. But I did want to say, um, actually, I forgot what I was going to say, so it doesn't matter. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, what I was going to say was, it's awesome because even though you watched the show um, on the pay-per-view, you were there live, and obviously I watched it on the pay-per-view, so we get kind of different perspectives, and I'm really interested uh, to kind of hear what your takes were, you know, being that you experienced everything, you know, up close and, you know, in color. Yeah, and most of my takes will be from a live perspective because, I mean, that was the first way I viewed it, and I want to just kind of give thoughts on what I saw everything and what I was thinking when a lot of this stuff happened because, you know, quite a bit happened on this show, and it was good. But, Absolutely. Uh, so we're starting off with buy-in. Uh, buy-in was the pre-show. Um, we, we jumped right in. Uh, we had a little confusion at the beginning cause I couldn't tell actually when the show started personally, <laughs> there was five guys in the ring and then they said their names and I was like, okay, then they started wrestling. So I was like, oh, okay. That's when, uh, that's when it started. Uh, the five guys in the ring were Brandon Cutler, Sonny Days, Michael Nakazawa, Dustin Thomas, and MJF. Uh, those are the five guys. Uh, Brandon Cutler got a huge pop. I don't know if that came across on uh, YouTube when they uh, or YouTube or however you watched it. As soon as they said his name, like he came out, he got a huge pop. Yeah, so I actually didn't even get to see this portion of the show. Uh, we came in about halfway through the Battle Royal. We were trying to watch it uh, on the BR app as well as on YouTube, and it just what it just said like it was waiting for the show to, to air, and it wasn't airing. So then we decided to try and order it online. By the time we jumped in online, it was only it was about halfway through. So I don't know if there were some small technical issues in the beginning, but yeah, like we jumped in about halfway, you know, through on, uh, from my perspective. Okay, well, we had the clubs in the ring. They started wrestling. Uh, we had a spot with Sunny Days and Michael Nakazawa where Michael Nakazawa poured oil on himself and slid out. Uh, I love that. Yes. Uh, I had never seen what Michael Nakazawa does. I, I, I am one of those people. I hated comedy wrestling until I saw how Japanese people do it. Yes. It, it is so much better. It did is. You see, yeah. What did you that? see the, uh, the CEO show last year? No, I didn't. Gotcha. Yeah, if, if you should probably check that out, especially uh, not the whole show, but at least the match between him and um, who's the guy that runs that's th that runs CEO Alex Alex Jabaley. Yeah, you should watch the match between him and Alex Jabaley because uh, it'll give you some insight more to Nakazawa what they're going to be doing with him going forward because they they're really playing off of that match a lot. Okay, but but Nakazawa, man, like he's an entertainer. Yeah, I didn't watch that. I remember I didn't watch that show because uh, Cody wasn't on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> I was just like, I was like uh, nope, Cody's not on it. I'm good. <laughs> I was actually in, the, in, in attendance. I was in the audience uh, live last year, and um, I'd seen Nakazawa, but Rich, James, Jeremy had not. And this, he was one of the things that we ended up talking about the most after we left just because he was so, like, such a heat magnet, such a comedy guy. Like, he was so enthralling. Like, he's very, 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 very funny. Yeah, he is very energetic, charismatic. He's, I mean, it's a different type of it factor, but he definitely has that it factor. It's like, based on, like, his face 
makes you want to look at him. You know what I mean? And see what he's going to do. He's very expressive. So I definitely, uh, I dig the Nakazawa. I do. I was like, I was like, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, so definitely that MJF. Oh my God. He, he, in a lot of ways, he reminds me of Kevin Owens and Stone Cold because he never shuts up when he's wrestling. And, <sighs> and he just, just, and he says the worst things to people. And like, everybody's wondering who's going to attack Dustin Thomas first. And there was no question. It was like within a second, he's stomping this crap out of him. So I, I just, I, I, I am a big MJF guy as far as his character and the fact that he like stays in character and never comes out he is just one of the most fun people to me that's that's a guy who's gonna make a lot of money in this industry yeah i mean as long as you're not willing as long as you're willing to be hated you you know you're gonna make a ton of money and he has no interest in being cheered there there is it's like if you start to cheer him he will remind you why you should hate him It's funny because we kind of exist in this small bubble. Um, not to say that that you know we've you know secluded ourselves when it comes to our fandom, but you know we can only have so many you know different f- friends in the industry that we're kind of close with, and so your perspective about wrestling is kind of skewed based on who you're connected with. And the one thing that I consistently hear just amongst my friends who interacted with him, who know him, is that. This guy, when he's in character, which is always, he's a jerk. He's always a jerk to you no matter what show you're at, no matter what setting it's in, whether it's, you know, at a PWG, local indie show, out on the street, at a big, you know, at a meet and greet. It does not matter. This guy lives his gimmick. Like, he's the modern-day Nikita Koloff, basically. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. It is... It's performance art at its finest and its most pure. I'm like, I met him at StarCast last year. He literally wouldn't even touch my hand. He made me put the money directly in his wallet. He wouldn't even, yes. That is awesome. (laughs) He wouldn't even touch my hand because I was filthy. And he's like, I, he's like, he touches it. He grabs the phone and does the selfie for me and then does pure. (laughs) He's like, he gives me my phone back and then does Purell like right after it. Just like bays in Purell because he touched my phone. (laughs) That's so awesome. Oh, God. It was just, it was just such a moment that I'll be able to, you know, tell people forever because he's just, you know he's that good it's like i tell people i'm like people can be nice to you in kind of that generic way and you won't remember the meet and greet but you know he was a dick to me and i will never forget that (laughs) and that was awesome about him uh the next group of people were the diamonds there was some kind of hiccup here because on the uh, in the ring and they announced that the diamonds they did the count now and there was like a full 30 seconds to a minute before anyone actually came out so uh, you had uh, Isaiah Cassidy from Private Party come out, and then Brian Pillman Jr. comes out. Uh, comes out. He kind of tries to jump in front of him, and then you know, Brian Pillman just super kicks him. And then uh, this Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela. Joey Janela got a super loud pop, and then coming like, and I know it was supposed to be because they were coming out five at a time. There was this super, you know, space between Joey Janela, and then you see a guy come out with a towel on it, and it has a 10, and it's Sean Spears. Oh, and so he came out with the 10 gimmick. Yeah, he, he had a 10 on his shirt. He had a shirt, and then he, I mean, on, on the towel, hooded towel, throws the towel off, and then puts up, 
10 and everybody's like 10 10 10 yes i hadn't seen this part yet so i wasn't aware that he came out with the gimmick yeah he definitely came out with the gimmick even on like his thing it's perfection with a 10 in the name where i and o are Mm, gotcha so yeah he he's definitely he's definitely the 10 thing uh and he i mean the crowd went crazy this was the first i wouldn't call it surprise, surprise. Cars, but you know it was the first he came out at 10 because you know there were five people out there then he came out last of the second so he was like mm. uh he was clearly 10 they you uh, know i i wondered about that because of the staggered nature of the uh the entries I was like, if if he's in the battle royal, how will he come out at the ten spot if they're doing whole groups? That doesn't make sense to me. So that makes a little bit more sense that you're saying they gave him a bit of shine, basically. Oh, definitely, definitely gave him shine. Uh, yeah, uh, of course they're it, once they got in the ring, there was some uh, good old fighting, and we got a spot where Joey Janela smoking a cigarette, and then Jimmy Havoc staples the cigarette to his head. To Joey really? Janela's head. I didn't even see this part. That's. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot that I missed, and I didn't think yeah. I missed that much, but apparently I did. A lot of people hate. I mean, honestly, this uh, pre-show. A lot of people hated it. Uh, I thought. Oh. I mean, I was live. I thought it was amazing. <laughs> but, got, I definitely have criticisms, and I don't think it came across well on the uh, the pay-per-view. But I figure we should go through the match first before I kind of. Yeah. Oh, un- yeah. Un- unload some of my criticisms. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, live. Live, it was kind of clunky, and then when I watched it, I saw it like after the feed was already recorded, so you can tell they kind of cle- cleaned up some of the stuff. So mm. it's like I didn't get that live feed like a lot of people did, but I know no one, like no one I know, saw the whole pre-show that watched it on TV. Like at first, they had to go back and watch it again. Uh, then the Hearts came in. Uh, this is uh, Billy Gunn. Glacier, Billy Gunn got a good pop. Jungle Boy, uh, Mark Quinn, no one knew who he was, but he's the other guy in Private Party. And Ace Romero, AC Baby came out. AC Baby. Yeah, and of course there was, like, not a lot of people got eliminated. I think at this point, uh, Nakazawa was, like, the only person that they got eliminated. <laughs> Once this group got in, that's when you got some other people uh, starting to get eliminated. And then the last group that comes in is the Spades, which is Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, uh, Simon Ki- Sonny Kiss, not Simon Kiss, Sonny Kiss. Marco Stunt does look like a child. Like, I saw him all weekend, and I kept thinking he was someone's kid. It was like finally Sunday where I recognized, like, oh, he is a wrestler. Uh, Tommy Dreamer and Orange Cassidy. Because I only thought he was someone's kid because he was always with the wrestlers. But he's so remarkably smaller than everyone. Even the women, it was kind of, you know, weird. You know, it's like, whose son is he? And no. But uh, we, uh, Orange Cassidy comes out. And, like, every Tommy Dreamer gets this pop. And Orange Cassidy's behind him. But he's walking so slow. I think everybody's in the ring. And they're wrestling. And Orange Cassidy is just kind of walking around the ring he's just like yeah and i and believe me because he did that like people that were people that were in the audience like next to me like you know they didn't know they kept asking because 
they kept, you know, I'm a talker, so, you know, they kept asking me, like, oh, who is that guy? And I kept saying, and this guy was like, you know, like, everything about this. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I should, because <laughs> I do this podcast, because I'm like, it's kind of what. Did you tell them you're like, <laughs> I I run the best uh, AEW podcast on the internet, and here's where you can follow me, and then do that sort of thing? Uh, no, I didn't. I did tell them I run a show called All Things Elite, uh, and they should look it up. Uh, it's on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Pick it up on that. Because I don't like to, like, some people, when they do a podcast, are annoyingly aggressive. And, and especially at the show where they can't walk away from me. I, <laughs> I try to I try to just be kind of, like, casual about it. you you got to put yourself over, bro. I mean, I, I said it's a great show. You know, I, I, they, they got that I like, you know, I knew a lot. But I just like, you know what, I like people not to be, like, you know, like in jail with me, like I, like I, you can't leave. You're in your seat, you know. So I, I just try not to do that. It was, you know, it's weird. I'm very, I'm very self conscious about, you know, being annoying. I try, <laughs> try not to be, because you know, I want everyone to enjoy the show, and they, I don't want anyone to be like, well, I, I really enjoyed Double or Nothing, but there was this loud guy that just would not shut the fuck up. <laughs> so I don't want to be that guy. So I don't know. Uh, but yeah, they asked me a lot of questions, so I did, did give them a lot of information. Once I found out they were cool and they wanted to know the information, I was like, okay, I can talk a lot more. Uh, and then we have the Joker. And the Joker, to the surprise of no one, especially listen to this, Joe, was Hangman Page. And uh, he came out, his music hit, and like half the crowd knew who it was. And t- then, you know, there was this song part that once he jumped out. You know, everybody that all the AEW, like, you know, elite fans cheered, and then everyone else knew they should cheer. So it was kind of like a double wave of cheering. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, we should cheer this guy that we didn't know who he was. <laughs> so it was like big, a big loud pop for Hangman. And honestly, this is this is pretty much a battle, battle royal squash match at this point because he just, once he came in, it was like the battle royal started, you know. He just kind of eliminated everybody. <laughs> Yeah, it, um, we jumped in around the time that all the final entrants were, I guess, coming into the ring. Um, I have heard people actually criticize Hangman Page's uh, music, saying that it's kind of like a generic tone. But I gotta tell you, ever since he came out with that new that new music, I don't remember when it was, but last year, I've loved it, man. I love, um, and maybe I'm alone on this, but I love Hangman Page's music. Um, it reminds me of the spaghetti Western, you know, videos or like, uh, movies that I love from like the sixties and seventies. And I think it fits his character really well, but people seem to not know, you know, associate that with him or even know what, or even like it, I guess. I I, I love his music. I love it. It's unique to what everyone else is doing. You know, everyone is generally some kind of you know, rock, you know, kind of trying to, you know, amped up type thing. And his is very old school. I mean, it reminds me like Barry Windham coming to the ring kind of thing. It was just like, yeah, you're like, yeah he's rocking the boots and he's going to come out and do some athletic stuff. And it's, uh, I love his music. I think it just basically tells you who's coming. The hangman's coming. <laughs> I do think, well, I don't know. I hadn't thought about this even being a take on the show, but I kind of, wonder if he should get away from the hangman gimmick 
uh, I guess they have distanced themselves from it. Like he's not really carrying like a rope to the ring anymore, (laughs) but it's also kind of like hangman page is who he is. Yeah. So it's like, you don't want to like change that. But at the same time, it's like, it, there was a time when, when he first started coming out with with the rope and he was the hangman. I was like, uh, I don't know about this one. I, I, w- I, I wouldn't buy a shirt because it had a noose on it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like, uh, I mean, I told him that. Uh, like when I met him, I was like, yeah, me walking around with a shirt with a noose on it, not a good look. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> and then they put out the one where it's his, but it has the bandana on it. And that's the first one I bought. But I um I wouldn't buy a shirt either, but that's just because I don't really buy that many wrestling shirts. So yeah, yeah. yeah. we uh, I'm over three hundred at this point. Oh my gosh, they um <laughs> yeah, but there were there was a lot of memorable spots once the action really picked yeah. up in this. Um, Dustin Thomas. Oh, go ahead with Dustin Thomas. Yeah, yeah, he did the six one nine type thing, and then he and. Did uh, like a like with the rope assisted? Uh, I guess that would be a four fifty. I guess I don't know, but it was pretty awesome. I, I, was, I he was a, he is amazingly athletic. That was cool. Um, Ace Romero did a huge dive to the outside that I think a lot of people probably weren't expecting from a guy his size if they haven't seen him before. Yeah, he got to do his pounce gimmick. They did uh, get that gimmick. He did. Oh, I thought I thought he was gonna kill. Uh, <laughs> who was it that he did that to? Was that Marco Stunt? Yeah, it yeah. was Marco Stunt. You yeah. know, I just I knew it was Marco Stunt. I just forget names. Yeah, he. I thought he was gonna kill Marco Stunt. Like he's so lucky those guys caught him. I was gonna say Private Party was had to play of the day. With that save on him. <laughs> yeah, that, that was nuts. Uh, there was the spot in the corner with uh, Sonny Kissed where he was pulling uh, Tommy Dreamer into his butt, basically, which was... <laughs> Jim Cornette was uh, not a fan of that. <laughs> I, I haven't listened to anything Jim thought about this show yet. I've heard I, that he pretty much buried a lot of Oh, shit, my God. Right? He, he and You know, it's one of those things where you lose credence when you tell me I didn't... Basically, I didn't want to watch the show because I knew I was going to hate it. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was like, if you go into a show, then deciding that you're already going to hate it, you're going to hate it. He actually yeah. said the same thing about the AEW fans. He's like, the people that liked it went into the show, decided that they were going to like it. And I was like, I think I think that is correct. And I think he's the opposite of that. He decided he was going to hate it. Mm, there's gotcha. no There's no money in his show liking it. If he came out and said how much he liked the wrestling and all that stuff, I wouldn't listen to it because I've listened to his show two or three times in my whole life. And the fact is, I listened to this episode because I heard how much he buried the show. Well, you know what? Everybody has yeah. different tastes, that sort of thing. I I really love listening to Jim Cornette. I don't do it all the time, but Jim has, in a lot of ways, uh, perspectives that I appreciate, and there's a lot that I like about him. But there's other times where I think that he's stuck in his ways, which is funny because in '82, Jim was seen as a progressive and you know revolutionary and someone who was akin to like the kind of taste that we have, where like. You know, we are fans of this revolutionary wrestling style. That's how he was back then. But, you know, times change. And, uh, yeah. Like <laughs> I said, there's no money in agreeing. He's Skip Bayless. He's Woody well, Page. True. I mean, people listen to his show because he buried it today. You know, if he came out just and took the same take as everybody else, that was a really good wrestling show and wished him the best and kind of even 
like very positive and even there's no money in that um as far as this ro- uh, battle royal goes any any final thoughts or anything uh, 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 uh no um my, I actually did have a bit of a problem. I, you know, I keep it positive. My biggest problem is that there was no one other than Hangman Page that could win this. There was no other. There was no other legitimate contender, and it was like when Hangman's music hit, you're like, "Oh, he's winning it," and it was just I, like, "I agree." <laughs> it was like there was nothing there. It was like it was a battle royal, but it was kind of like the winner was never in doubt. Absolutely. So, I mean, it basically ended up coming down to a final four of Luchasaurus, MJF, uh, Hangman Page, and was it Joey Janela? Or Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc. Prior to the, those final four, though, there was a moment where Luchasaurus, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it, where he choke slammed uh, Joey Janela outside of the ring onto a, a table. And I legitimately thought that Joey Janela was dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that table exploded. It exploded. Uh, Luchasaurus, oh, I will say he was definitely a big addition to this because he just looks different. He's like uh, so much taller and physically, and then you see him move, and he can move. I, I, I was definitely a fan of Luchasaurus after this match. I've, I've seen Luchasaurus in ROH as well as Lucha Underground and you know, I'm not a fan of the gimmick. I think it's a very limiting gimmick. Although, you know, WWE got over an undead zombie mortician gimmick, you know, and it became like the most endearing gimmick they've ever had. So who knows? I might be an idiot. But uh, at the same time, he's so imposing. And not just that, but he can really do a lot of cool moves. Like, he really is a cool wrestler when when you actually see him live and, and what he can do in the spinning crescent kicks and everything else. But um, I do wonder how far he can go with that gimmick in, in just in major league wrestling in general, you know? Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. I think, that, I think, I think some of these people, if they're, they're sticking around, I know a lot of these people one shot. I think there will be some definitely gimmick adjustments. And I, I think he's one of the people that will get a gimmick adjustment. I, I, like I said, I just, I, I really did. Act, I mean, I enjoyed it. It was a battle royal. You know, battle royals to me are like pizza. Even bad ones are still battle royals. It's still good. You know, I enjoy them. But uh, yeah, like I said, the biggest, own biggest, and only criticism I had is that to me it was Hangman Page, and then everyone else. Well, I, I actually have a few criticisms here, and I mean. Um some of the things that I felt like were problematic. One, one of the things was the winner of this match was originally going to, what was the, the gimmick going to originally be? They were going to face hangman for the first shot at the title. They were going to get a future title shot. Oh, they were automatically going to get a future title shot. Okay. Uh And and so, um, was that always the gimmick or I thought it changed? that, That was always the gimmick. It was a future okay. title shot. It wasn't gonna. You probably weren't gonna be the first challenger, but you were gonna get a future title shot. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, you know, we you talked in depth last week about Pac and uh, the Hangman controversy and what happened there. Who was gonna win this? Provided, you know, prior to this, that Hangman wasn't in the match. If I had to guess. I I mean I, I yeah once the, if you take Hangman out of it, I'm looking at 
my people are, of course, Joey Janela, Jimmy Havoc, MJF, or uh, Sean Spears. That would be my four. Those are probably the the right picks, and you're you're probably right on that. Um, again, like I said, I joined this you know in progress when when we started watching it. But there's a few things I didn't like about it. Um, one was I did not like the uh, the entire um, structure of how they brought the guys out when they first announced the gimmick and you know the using the cards and it being Vegas themed and all that. I was actually very on board and I didn't say anything disparaging about it because I thought they were trying something new and I was I was like, oh, this is a pretty cool idea, you know, and it might make things move faster. But ultimately, it ended up being something where I felt like the guys that came out in big groups, it didn't lend itself to allowing, A, the wrestlers that come out to be known individually. Um, B, it didn't add to the, the structure of the match. It actually made it clunkier and kind of more like uh, sort of like it was just rushed, if that makes sense. Um, Those would probably be my main like issues with, with that aspect of it. Um, When you kind of compare that to like, say a Royal rumble or like what Lucha underground used to do with like Alta or what Aztec warfare uh, each guy would come out and kind of get their own shine and get their own spot. And I feel like with a lot of these guys, being indie talents that are lesser known that people are not familiar with, you kind of need at least, I feel like it would have been beneficial in this instance for them to kind of get established who their characters were, who they were, that sort of thing. And they kind of missed the ball on that. It felt more similar to like one of those world war three matches from WCW where everyone just comes out and you don't know who's in the match. And I felt like a lot of people didn't know who these guys were at all. Yeah, Private Party was definitely a victim of this. No one knew who Private Party was. Before the match, after the match, they still don't know who Private Party is. So, I mean, I guess with them losing, it, it that won't hurt them. But, yeah, I think they were a victim of how people came out. They were like, people were like, who are the, who's that guy? And then one guy's name is Mark Quinn. So, it was like, his name is so normal. He didn't stick out at all. So I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, a couple other problems with it was, like you mentioned, once Hangman Page came out, it kind of seemed like he was the de facto winner or like, you know, the, the odds on favorite to win at that point. But they didn't seem to have clued in the, um, the commentary team to the fact that there would be a 22nd entry after the Joker. So they made all this um, – you know, they made a, a big, big deal about there being a Joker, but then they included Hangman Page. And it, it kind of makes sense why they did, because they had to kind of call an audible based on the changes to the card. But the um, the commentary team didn't seem to know about that sort of thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was supposed to be kind of playing off the fact that Cody just added someone and didn't tell anyone. <laughs> that, that's, that's also something that I think people would... And I have questions about that going forward is like, you know, as far as like an authority figure on, on on screen, how much autonomy, you know, the Bucks, Cody, you know, Kenny, how that and also Brandy, how that's all going to work. But it, it does seem kind of like one of those fast and loose things where it's like, oh, Cody added, you know, hangman that, that just kind of seemed all over the place. One other thing too, a small criticism and it kind of 
uh, cleared up once the actual show started. But when we turned this on, the production value was not as good. The camera crew, um, and I cut them a little bit of slack because it, it was the first match on a first show that they've ever done. But they were missing a lot of the spots, a lot of the action. And they were cutting camera cuts like they were WWE. Like every two seconds there was a camera cut. And it was like egregiously bad in the beginning. It cleared up by the time the main pay-per-view came on. But it was all over the place. And when we were watching this, uh, you know, as a group, we were very excited. When we started watching it, we were like, ooh, this does not look very good to be honest. And that was a that has been a lot of opinions. I pretty much listened to every double or nothing review I could preparing for this one, just because I wanted to hear as many different takes that I could. And that's yeah. that's been common. That's been common. Everyone's like, well, I like a lot of people. They's like, if I watch this in anticipation and like, okay, I'm gonna watch this, and if I like it, I'm gonna order a pay per view. They most of them said they wouldn't have ordered the pay per view. But, I, I would agree with that. We'd already ordered the pay-per-view. and we, we had our mind make, made up, but this didn't really, as a first offering, endear me to the company. Um, a lot of the wrestlers, even if you kind of knew who they were, it's hard to be super familiar with everybody that was in that match. Many of them did not come off like stars. They kind of came off as like the lower mid-card jags of the company, and it didn't seem like you mentioned that any of them would be capable of winning the uh the title and i feel like you could have rectified that by maybe doing a different structure i do applaud them for trying something new but i wouldn't advise them if it was it was my company i wouldn't do this match structure the way they did uh in the future especially especially considering how well the all-in um the all-out quote-unquote battle royal went during all-in that was like to me an incredible battle royal, whereas this came off as being very much less than. Um, it it didn't really endear me to the company right off the bat, and I, I mean that's just my initial take on it. Yeah, as a person, I mean as a person that's super uh, fan I, uh, of the group, I completely agree with that. It was like when you, as watching it when I watched it later, yeah, I was like it was kind of just clunky. You know, it's just, uh, I think something like this would work in New Japan, who has, instead of the clubs or whatever, each faction came out at a time, and then there was one guy at the end. That would actually work, because people know the factions and the groups. But the fact that these were four, five random guys that, like, you know, no one knew, you know what I mean? Right. It, it, that, it, it did, uh... It did take away from it. Like, of course, I knew who it was, and of course, you knew who the people were. But I'm talking about my friend Stephanie and her brother, who were in, at their <laughs> first wrestling shows in 15 years. You know, and everything that they saw was the first time. They came away saying, "I know who Hangman Page is." Right, and so that's one thing. Is like, I don't. I think a lot of these guys, because they're going to be featured on the show, they've got a lot of time to build them up and and introduce them and get them over on the, uh, standard, um, television product, you know, but at the same time, as a first introductory, I feel like they could have done much more for these guys, um, when it comes to showcasing them to, even if it was just a, a small spot guy comes in, shows who his character is, gets a couple spots in, we'd kind of have something to attach to them. And, and a lot of people didn't really get that here. Um, hopefully this is something that they learn from and kind of move on from. 
I like the idea that you, you mentioned about factions coming in together in, in a battle royal, but ultimately I kind of feel like it's one of those things where it's like if it's not broken, don't fix it. And I don't know necessarily that bringing guys out in multiple groups really serves much of a purpose other than speeding up the entire match overall, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? And I agree, but I understand I'm all about trying stuff new. I just don't like I said, and I thought I think it's if they decide this is how they want to do battle royals like forever, I would be okay with it. Ooh, but no. but I would be okay with it. But I am more of I I, I think the traditional battle royal would uh with everybody getting kind of their own introduction or royal rumble style would have worked better in this case. Yeah, I I don't know if they should do this again in the future. Honestly, I know that they're trying to make. Uh, they tried something new and that's great. And I feel like they're trying to differentiate themselves and have some, um, brand specific type of match types, but I don't feel like this really accomplished that in all honesty. Um, one last thing. So at the end of the match, it came down to hangman page and MJF. And, um, after hangman had eliminated somebody, was it Luchasaurus he eliminated? Uh, yes. Um, basically, uh, MJF comes comes from uh, out of nowhere and dumps him over. And so you, you think that he's won the match. I think they might have even rung the bell. I can't remember. But uh, Hangman basically skins the cat, holds onto the top rope, doesn't let his feet touch, comes back and then uh, eliminates. He, he actually hit that buckshot lariat, which, lariat, which was awesome. Super and over. He, Super yeah. over. <laughs> and, then, and then he eliminated MJF, which is cool, but it's kind of one of those tropes. We've seen this sort of thing in a lot of Battle Royals. I'm not going to bury it too much because it, it is something that people do a lot because it works, but I, I would have hoped that they'd done something a little more imaginative. But ultimately, it kind of let us know at the end of the day, like, hey, out of all these guys, the top two you need to keep your eyes out for are Hangman and MJF, which you know we'll talk about more later on the show. But uh, as a first offering... It was fine, but it wasn't anything that uh, blew me away, and I feel like it had a lot of kinks to be worked out. But you know, ultimately, we wind up with MJF uh, winning the battle royal and getting the first shot at the the first future shot at being a contender or you know being a competitor for the uh, AW title. All right, yes, definitely. Uh, I guess it, it was funny. Uh, my friends. Buckshot Lariat, I hated it when I first saw it. I was like, why did he flip before doing the clothesline? That move was so over with everyone that I knew that watched it for the first time. It was just really, really over. And I just, like, it was crazy to me how much they were like, man, that was super athletic. Yeah, the first time that I ever saw the Buckshot Lariat, Lariat was at... Um when was the first time I saw that? It was probably at the um, the World Tag League two years ago when people kind of weren't really riding with uh, with Hangman like that back then, and he was teaming with Yujiro. And that was right around the time that we started keeping it strong style. And me and Jeremy were like, yo, this Hangman guy, he's not just some, like, some jag. Like, he really, really is awesome. And he was doing the Buckshot Lariat and um, – you know, the, the standing moonsaults off the apron, and we're like, this is a guy to really look out for. And now, you know, we're almost two years removed from that. And, uh, yeah, he, he's awesome. Yeah, you definitely, you definitely, there was no shock about it. There was no surprise. They were not coy about who you were supposed to be watching out for in the future. I mean, it's MG, MJF got some spots, and then Hangman, they seemed 
bigger and more important than everyone else. Uh, all right. What was you going to say? I was going to say I agree. The one, the one question I have, do you feel like given the circumstances that this was the best that they could do when it comes to establishing a title contender? No, not at all. Not at what all. What would you what would you've done differently? Um I mean honestly honestly, you know, of course the Pac thing would have been ideal. I probably would have replaced uh I would have probably replaced Pac with like Joey Janela or one of the other big guys and had a big match. And then with this, yeah, I would have tried to do someone I would have tried to give the title shot to someone unexpected. I mean, honestly, I would have probably, like, it would have been, like, Brandon Cutler or someone like me. Someone that absolutely no one, like, really knew. Because, you know, he went, he's not going to, you know, he wouldn't have won the title. But it would have been able to put a spotlight on him and build a new character. Because Hangman is go- was going to be it. You know what I mean? It was just like, right. I think they missed out an opportunity to build up someone else. I, I don't know that, obviously, we in hindsight, we kind of know now that the, uh, that this is all leading to the Chicago show that's coming up in September. But my thinking at the time, because I didn't know all that, I was kind of thinking that maybe this would lead to a title eliminator. Mm-hmm. And so maybe I thought that Hangman would wind up facing someone else as a replacement on the show. And then maybe I kind of thought maybe the winner of this would actually end up facing uh, Hangman as a, opportunity to get a shot at the title down the line but uh you know probably me not being as familiar with all the rules and all the uh the um stipulations and that sort of thing i probably wasn't aware that like yeah the winner of this is definitely getting a title shot they'd already you know proclaimed that ahead of time so it kind of makes sense why it had to be hangman at the end of the day yeah, definitely. Like I said, uh, I, we we kind of talked about this that they kind of this whole show probably got changed. You know, when they found out Pac wasn't going to be on, they had to scramble. Uh, this is not what they expected for the Battle Royal. You know, and so they had to make some adjustments. And I think they did the best they could with what they had. But yeah, it could have come off better. So, uh, with that being said, let's move on. We had one other match on this. Uh preview show sammy g and kip sabian uh sammy g uh he comes out and he has this like panda head on and his music hits and i i don't know like how it came off on tv but in live it didn't seem like the crowd was very you know they seemed dead when he came out yeah they they didn't pop for him kip sabian kind of the same way i remember after the battle royal a lot of people went to the bathroom I mean, like, mm. yeah, a lot of people did run out. Uh, I uh, Actually, as soon as the thing was over and Hangman won, I, I even, uh, I was like, I have to, you know, get to the bathroom before I have to sit here for three and a half hours. I actually went at, right after Sabian and uh, Guevara, but I saw a lot of people bounce at that point. And, I, I would have flip-flopped these. Yeah, me. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I definitely, definitely agree with that. Uh, yeah, um, I think these two, these two are both super athletic, and they can put on a great match. And I think they would have been a great start to the show. But I think they did the battle royal for timing purposes. I, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. You're, you're absolutely yeah. right when it comes to that. Yeah. But you know, if, 
if I'd been in charge, I think I would have opened with this match and then maybe worked with agents to make sure that the timing was, you know, just right and then done the Battle Royal as a second match. Uh, I feel like that pacing would have been a bit better. But ultimately speaking, there was a few botches and a few awkward spots in this match, but I thought this match was fine. I thought it was, you know, pretty good, actually. Yeah, um, this was my second time seeing Sammy G. First time seeing Kip Sabian other than highlights. Uh, Kip Sabian reminds me a lot of Noam Dar and his kind of uh, his kind of energy. You know, and it's like it's very much kind of a UK wrestler uh, with him, very subtle. And I don't think people understood the subtle cockiness of him because it was just kind of like like he would do stuff and he would like pose and it would like everybody's like, are we supposed to cheer that? And I don't think it was clear to me. I know Sammy G was cocky and everything, but I don't think it was clear like who's the heel and who was the face to someone that was not very familiar with both of them. I think on television, and this could just be me, but it really did come across that Sammy Guevara was the uh, the heel here. He his facials were probably the biggest indicator, more so than any actions. But I did think it was interesting how they've tried to portray him as like a heel who do, who thinks he's a babyface on being the elite. Um, but on the television show, it didn't come across that way at all. It came across as this is a cocky, smirking heel, you know, in the vein of like a early '90s Jericho sort of thing. There was no allusion to the idea that he was Angle. You know, thinking thinking he was a a face. So I did think that that was a bit interesting, that he was kind of like your classical snarky, you know, heel sort of thing. He kind of reminded me a little bit of um, um, Zima Ayan in his early days of uh, TNA, actually, just a bit, like his facials. But yeah, he came across to me like the definite heel in this match. Yeah, like I said, it was just uh, in the building. Uh, in the building, it was just like the people I were around. I was fortunate enough, and in this case, very fortunate. I was around people that di- had didn't know who any of these people are, so I I got a real reaction, and they're like flat out asking, "Who's the bad guy in this situation?" <laughs> and I'm like, "That's not that shouldn't be <laughs> that shouldn't be the thing." <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I remember one time watching a video where Edge was talking about. Um, his acting career and he was on that show on sci-fi with haven and he was talking about how the biggest difference between his acting career and his wrestling career is like when you're acting you have to actually mute almost everything you do in wrestling because when you're wrestling you have to exaggerate your facials and your actions so big because thousands of people have to be able to tell what you're doing versus a camera capturing everything you're doing it needs to be more understated and nuanced where you know, and that might be part of it. You know what I mean? Like it might be too nuanced and not over exaggerated to where it doesn't translate well with the live crowd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I like I said, I like I, I'm getting a running commentary through the show. Like I have my commentary where like I know everything that's going on, and then I have this other person basically telling me, like 
I don't know what I'm watching here. I haven't watched every episode of Being the Elite. I haven't watched Road 2 shows. This is just me showing up, and I have no idea what's going on. You mean you mean there's there's people that are at these shows that don't watch Being the Elite? Yeah. Scoff. Yes, and it's like, so they did a great job, you know, of getting people in. But, yeah, the whole, like, the whole row behind me. And it was funny because the guys that did it, they do these uh, wrestling theme comic book covers and uh, yeah they they were one of the vendors at the show and they they're amazing uh definitely uh, uh yeah they're they're amazing i honestly don't remember their names which i am a horrible person for that i can't even put their product over but uh yeah they do, <laughs> uh, uh, they do these wrestling thing comic book covers i saw like with the four horsemen that were like almost like it, it was the four horsemen as the Fantastic Four. It was called the Fantastic Four Horsemen. And it was just, they're really cool covers and stuff. And we actually got to talk. They actually stayed at the hotel I was staying at. But can't, like, if if you said, my, Floyd, I will my, give you a million dollars to tell me their names, I, I couldn't do it. I'd be like, it is completely blank right now. I was even trying to talk there to try to give myself time to remember. Never came to me. That sucks. With, with the crossover <laughs> appeal of, of comics uh, and superheroes and wrestling. Um, it is a shame that you can't recall that. My, uh, <laughs> you know, my challenge to you would be to go online and figure out who you're talking about so you can put these people over, sir. Yes, I will definitely go online, figure it out. I will put the link in the show notes so everybody can find it out because I feel because <laughs> they were so nice to me. And like I said, a lot of these things, and a lot of these things I'm going to say <laughs> with how the audience feels. It's going to be based on these two people that didn't know. And it's like, I can't tell you who they are. And it's like, oh, this sucks. I actually feel it, pretty it bad. They don't, they don't watch being the elite, so it doesn't matter. Yes, I actually feel pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but okay. uh, they, they should be tuning into this show so they can get all the recaps and all the live you know, yes, commentary. Yes, and then yeah, if they come to my website or come to Twitter and they, they went and followed me, and I post this, they can be like, hey, that was me, and I can put them super over next week because I will feel really shitty about not remembering their names. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but, uh, yeah, save me. I thought it was, the match was fine. Uh, Guevara is very athletic, and you got to see a little glimpse of it. Uh, I saw him first at the NWA 70 show in Nashville last year, and, I mean, he blew me away. And it just seemed like, I don't know if they just didn't have time or this may be the first time working together or something like that. But it just seemed like, you know, he didn't get to get, like, everything he got in. But uh, the one thing that, um, the one spot I remember that kind of made everybody jump up was when he was draped over the guardrail. Yes. Yes. And uh, he did a 450, right? Or was it shooting star? Shooting star. I I believe it was a shooting star. Yeah. Yeah. He hit shooting star. But the great thing is like a lot of times when people try to shooting stars and 450s or whatever. And, but I know it was a shooting star, but uh, in this case, they don't hit them. They don't hit them really good. But I mean, it was chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got all of it, and that made it look so much impressive. Like, like the two guys I'm talking about literally jumped up. <laughs> they, yeah. like, they were like, "Oh my god!" Ultimately, Kip Sabian ended up going over here, and they called this the first singles match in AEW history, which was pretty cool. Um, but I felt like the guy that got most of the shine and a lot of the big spots that were memorable was. Sammy Guevara, who they have earmarked for big things, evidenced by 
the amount of spotlight they've given him on their different shows, you know, on on YouTube and that sort of thing. And I think that there are big things in store for Sammy Guevara with AEW. Yeah, uh, I love Kip Sabian because, first of all, he's super nice. Got to talk to him for a very, very long time. Uh, and uh, But big thing is, oh, like his finisher is named after Harry Potter. And I am a big Harry Potter nerd. So, yeah, I love me some I love me some Harry Potter. And so his finisher was called the Deathly Hollows. And I was like, okay, yeah, you got me. You got me. And he's, <laughs> yeah. Speaking, speaking of Harry Potter, did you see that they're about to come out with four new books next month online? Yes, and it's it, – I'm really excited. I'm really excited for it because I'm not I'm, – now that I've gotten older, I'm not a big reader other than if it's not wrestling stuff like an article or something like that. I don't read, read a lot. You read The Observer, sir. Uh, yeah, I read The Observer. <laughs> <laughs> and it is like – and it's you know, you, you laugh, but it's so true. That's the only well, kind of – What else do you need to read? <laughs> yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember the last time – Someone gave me a book, and I actually read it from cover to cover. I, I, I don't even remember <laughs> that. I mean, everything I do is wrestling wrestling or sports-centric. So, yeah. We, we, should, we should write a social suplex book where each of us cover our own topic, and it just be super, like, disconjointed and, like, <laughs> random, and then just, like, publish it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, um, I'm talking about Southern Tag Team Wrestling, and uh, you're talking about Joshi Wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> yeah, each chapter makes no sense. Like, it, this is basically like our house of leaves, but for pro wrestling. Um, but yeah, ultimately, though, um, one thing, a couple, like, final thoughts about the pre-show. I did think the, the camera cuts were egregiously bad really really bad during this match where like we were watching it as a group and we had lots of people here like i mentioned and it wasn't just you know die hard like fan like it wasn't just like me and jeremy who watched new japan it was like guys who watch primarily north american you know wwe and they were like yo these camera cuts are awful and i was like dude i don't know what's going on like if this is how the whole show is we're gonna be in for a long night yeah. And so we had a we had a lot of concerns going into the actual pay per view, honestly. Yeah, and, and like I said, that's a common theme. Uh, it's like uh, from what I've heard is like everybody was like, "Oh, this is gonna suck," yeah. <laughs> and then and then the show started. Uh, before the show started, um, uh, Brandy, Cody, uh, the Bucks, and Kenny all came out. Yeah, uh, just basically to introduce and get uh, get basically come out and been hype men, which is I think I think every show needs. I think the WWE could uh, I think the WWE could learn from that. You need a hype man to get you ready for the show, and they came out and got the whole crowd pumped up. Uh, first sensory event in wrestling history uh, that's been hammered home. Uh, I have a friend that uh, recently found out he was on the spectrum and i you know i mm. bought a, i actually bought a culture city shirt like the day of autism awareness and i found out he was on the spectrum and he was talking to me about that and i was telling him about aw and what they're doing and he's like yeah i don't go to events i he's like wow. i didn't he didn't know why he didn't go to events you know because he didn't know he was on the spectrum but uh, he didn't know why he didn't go to events. And then, you know, he found out he was on the spectrum. And he was like, yes. 
He's like, you know what? And he's like, he's never been really into wrestling. We've actually had like philosophical conversations about wrestling as an art, a performance art. <laughs> no, like I'm not. I'm not even calling like hours it, it, of conversation. It, it is the greatest art known to man. Yes, I will dispute that with anybody. Yes, about it being a performance art, and you know, he's always talked about it. And he's, you know, he's one of those people. By the end, I have him interested, but he's like never actually watched. Once I told him about this and what they were doing, he says, I am definitely going to watch the show. And he has already, which never watched wrestling in his whole life, he already uh, watched the buy-in. Ah, nice. Yeah, he thought, he said he thought it was cool. He doesn't know if he can watch it like, like he said. I don't know if I can watch it like you watch it. And I'm like, I never okay. asked you to. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I never thought you were going to ever watch it at all. So I'll take well, what I can get. <laughs> It, I thought it was funny, a couple, like, small things I noticed. When they first came out, you know, basically Cody said he wanted to introduce the show, and then the Bucks said that they didn't wanted to, and then Cody – or then Kenny was like, last time you guys did this at All In, I didn't get to do it, so I want to introduce the show. And so he kind of introduced everybody, and then which was pretty funny. And then um, Matt Jackson starts announcing, and he's like, we're so glad to be here in a capacity crowd of 20,000 fans strong yes and cody had to remind him that the building only holds thirteen thousand people uh we found out at starcast that they originally uh had booked t-mobile oh that they had booked it and it fell through and mgm was kind of the second option of it and so I definitely we definitely found out at Starcast they were pretty open about that, and so the idea was to get twenty thousand, but they got thirteen. Uh, but it doesn't double matter. Or, double or nothing, right? Yeah, the the goal was double or nothing. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's like, yeah, in wrestling you round up, which is. Oh my God! Such a shot at the WWE. Clearly a shot at <laughs> WWE, which is hilarious. Yes. Oh, when I found out the WWE literally counts everybody in the building, including the people working for them, the vendors, the parking attendants, anyone that has walked through the building. I was like, Oh my God! They are so full of shit. You know but, what? I'll, I'll tell you something right now. I uh, I know that in wrestling they round up, and some of those numbers with WWE might be inflated. But I'll tell you this, sir. I will not adhere to any slander about the gates or the the attendance numbers of either SummerSlam 92 or WrestleMania 3. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. You try to tell me that those were different numbers. They were not. Those were the attendance numbers. Yes, that's how many people were watching the match. 90,000 people. people. Yes, 90,000 people saw Hulk Hogan slam Andre the Giant, even though like a thousand of those people were locked in rooms where they couldn't see anything going on because they were doing vendor stuff but hey you know what it counts they heard the, hey as sammy guevara says i might not have saw your match but i heard it <laughs> I, um, I was like way older and i found out that like you know there was claims that the number that those numbers were inflated and i was like well based on what and they're like well dave said it and i i'm not a dave hater i know exactly how reputable he is and i've been uh you know an observer subscriber for years and you know i'm not one of these fans who's like he's just a fan like no he's the most uh uh, a credentialed you know um what would the word be credentialed media member i don't know Yeah, yeah yeah like media member in the history of pro wrestling and everything that we do is based off of what he like paved the way for so i know who he is but 
I will not adhere to the, the until he can show me s- strict facts that there was less than those numbers that were actually in the building. Those are the numbers. That's what it was. Yeah. And yeah. I also believe 20,000 people were there live. You were there uh-huh. with you were one of the 20,000. Yes. So you uh, you believe that they got 80,000 people into the Tokyo Dome? Absolutely. Well, I think I think I think the the number sixty thousand, but uh, that might be inflated. As well. <laughs> <laughs> they was like, we got forty thousand, and we can't fit any more in here. <laughs> but was, somehow sixty thousand were there. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that was for the UWFI New Japan show or if it was for Inoki's retirement. I believe it's for Inoki's retirement, and I think that's why the number's so high. But. uh that's the number, sir. Sixty K. <laughs> yep, number number of people in the Tokyo Dome. Okay, hey, I'm down. Hey, I hope it can fit that many people because I'm trying to go to a show eventually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, yes. Yeah, so we get that, and they announce they get ready for the show. Cody, Cody, if he if wrestling doesn't work out for him, he has a great career as a hype man. He Absolutely. he he is great at getting the crowd pumped up, and I mean, it, it was like. I don't know. They could have started off with any match, honestly, and it would have been that fever pitch because he had everybody working, you know. And then you know they put up the the uh, discretion, you know, don't record uh, sign or whatever, don't share this uh, video, and uh, that even got a pop. Yeah. <laughs> like as soon as that came up, it, it felt like a big deal here for the first time in years. We were like paying big money for a pay-per-view with a big party with lots of people and we're sitting there and we're like this is a real pay-per-view like this is for real for real yeah. um so that was cool one small criticism and i'm not gonna um be critical all night but i just want to bring a critical eye to some of this stuff i see some reluctance that some fans have who are not like the elite shill or you know the elite like stands who are concerned about the idea that they came out representing the company to hype everything up. And they're like, are they authority figures? You know, obviously, you know, in non-kayfabe, we know they're the co-executive VPs, but what does that, what is, how is that going to translate to their on-screen roles? Um, So I feel like that's something to keep your eye on a little bit as a fan of this company, Um, whether they're going to be, just performers or are they going to be performers who are also authority figures like how that's all going to work out but um i i wasn't too pro i didn't find this too problematic with it being a historic show and them obviously we know who they are so them coming out first my other problem was i do not think they did a good job even though the wrestling was fine i don't think they did a good job with this being a pre-show with them building up hype for the anticipated matches that were coming up i would have almost preferred this to be closer to I don't want to say WWE exactly, but how they do a they do a pretty good job on their pre-show panels, building up hype to the uh, to the upcoming matches. I would like to see if they're going to do pre-shows the way that like boxing or UFC does when you're watching the uh, the pay-per-view you know pre-show that they kind of build some anticipation so that the viewer who hasn't paid for the pay-per-view gets a hook that makes them want to buy the pay-per-view. Now, I can absolutely agree because one small criticism I had of the whole show, Jericho and Omega, I felt like wasn't built like the main event. I mean, it was on the shirts and stuff as the main event, but it Dustin and Cody had way more of a main event 
vibe and feel and big fight feel than Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. They that should be something even if they're not taking a lot of time, they should be like doing similar things to like what boxing does or UFC where like they cut to the back and they show them in the back preparing for the match or doing small interviews, even if it's 20 seconds, you know, just something to kind of like build the anticipation throughout the night for that match. Uh, it's something that they did at Starcade very beautifully with Ric Flair and um, um, uh, Harley Race, and I feel like they could have benefited from that kind of presentation. Yeah, Omega, if you didn't know who Kenny Omega was coming in, which some people did not, you really didn't know why he was a big deal by the end of the, uh, by the, end of the match. He was the guy that no one knew versus Chris Jericho. Everything Chris Jericho wow. said was true. And it was just like, I don't think they did a good enough job of saying the importance of Kenny Omega, the best battle machine. They did not. It was like, it, it, and even when Jericho won, it was kind of like, oh, I thought Jericho was going to win. You know, that kind of thing. The other person was like, why, you know, why wouldn't Jericho win? He's the guy that everyone. I agree. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll go further into that. But I, I that was a concern I had even before the show, and I was hoping we would get more during the Starcast week, up you know like up to the day before to make that match seem bigger. I mean, because by the end of the show, no one thought that kind of. I mean, you know what happened at the end of the show made them like, oh, that was the main event. But before then, they were like, why was this the main event? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, uh, yep, let's start with the first match. It's a perfect, their music and their entrance is 100% the best way to start any show. They started all, they started all in and now they started double or nothing. It was SCU coming out. Oh my God. So over, so over. Bro, they're so over. It's incredible. (laughs) Yes. And it's funny because Christopher Daniels has been amazing forever. Frankie Gazarian yeah. has been amazing forever. I really just discovered Scorpio Scott in the last two years when he joined SCU, so I can't say he's been amazing forever. You may be able to speak to that. But these people have been, like, the best workers in their company forever, and they've never, like, they've never been this hot. And it's like, seriously, they would be walking through the hotel in the casino, like, they'd be walking up, SCU, and everybody would be chanting it. It's like, they are so over. They were so over during All In weekend, but it's just grown exponentially. And it's funny because I've kind of found their shtick to be a little bit tiresome when it comes to being the elite. Not that it's bad by any means, but it's kind of it hasn't gone in any new like direction or anything like that. But it doesn't matter. They are so over. When we're sitting here and I was with all my buddies, I just said, can you imagine what these guys are going to be like? on national television week after week when they're able to do this because they came out and they did their pre pre-match spiel and i was like they're gonna be like the road dog jesse james and the badass billy gun do you know they that was gonna, the next thing out of my mouth go ahead and they're gonna be so freaking over they're gonna be one of the hottest acts those guys are about to like their merch sales are about to go out of this world because so many people don't know who they are, but they they know that there's a buzz about them, and yeah, they're about to be a big thing. Yes, and it's crazy. I was just about to say they're basically the new age outlaws of AEW, but yep. they are. I mean, they are amazing workers. <laughs> you know, like amazing workers, and it's just like, but yeah, they come out and you know, and they do this 
the thing, and it's just like this is the worst town. And I love how Christopher Daniel. This might be the best worst town. You know, this might be our uh, the uh, favorite worst town. But yeah, it's like well, they they had a they had a uh, a skit a few. It's probably about six months ago where they were in Vegas and they were loving Vegas. SCU was, but then they all got blackout drunk and had you know basically yeah. a spoof a spoof on um. Hangover. Uh, the hangover. Yeah, and they they woke up and they were like naked in a in a hotel room. They're like, this is for sure the worst town we've ever <laughs> been. In. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. They say the town's the worst, and you know Frankie does his part, Scorpio does his part. It's just it's great. But, they're like, and it's really they're equally over. The, but it, if we wanna if we wanna find a WCW. Equivalent because I am starting to feel like AEW is the spiritual successor to WCW. This is very reminiscent to the Outsiders and Scott Hall's whole yes. four matches. Yes, how many people are here to see the WCW? <laughs> <laughs> One more for the good, good guys. guys. Yes, it's very much like that. It's very much like that. I remember uh, K Dog and the Wolf Pack. We bowed about it and routed around it. I remember that. That was so horrible. Yo, but they, yeah, like, like I'm I'm half Hispanic, but like I don't speak any Spanish. And I was like, Hola, yeah, yeah, arriba la raza, yeah, yeah. I, I I did that whole spiel in my high school years, and it was just like now you got you got SCU. They're you know the spiritual successors to those to those things and it's just like it's so so over and they're so amazing like when they're uh, dealing with their uh, fans and I guess it comes from years of being the independence and trying to get people to sell t-shirts and all that stuff but they are the best when it comes to hanging out with their fans so um, that's great then we got the strong hearts which is Shima L. Linderman and T-Hawk is it L. Linderman like like a Hispanic name yeah, it is. It's L E L. Yeah, I did think it was interesting that they didn't have it listed as L. They just had it listed as Lindemann. Yeah, that was yeah, that was weird. And I like I put L in front of it when I was uh, doing my notes, and I was like, I was like, I was going to ask you, uh, whoever I was talking to about that. But they came out, and of course, not a lot of people knew who they were, but the people who did cheered them. And then they started working, and that's what I want to get to. That's what I want to talk about because freaking Shima, that was the first time I'd ever seen him work. Oh, my God, he's good. Like, blew me away good. Like, he is so smooth. Yeah, yeah I was I was sitting here with a friend of uh, Keeping It Strong Style, a buddy of ours who's been on the show. His name's Jamie, and he's a good friend of mine, and we – go way back when it comes to like fandom of Perezu. And it's interesting. There's a very famous match from 2006 uh, in ring of honor, where it was uh, the dragon gate guys against the, uh, the do fixers. I believe that was their names. It was a six man tag. And it was kind of like the first exposure of the dragon gate system to the North American audience. And like Dave gave it five stars at the time. And Dave was just freaking out and the reality is is like that six-man tag is very famous but it's not even by dragon gate standards really a five-star match 
but it's something that really kickstarted an entirely new style of, of professional wrestling in North America that has resonated to this day to where, like, if you watch it now, it's still a great match, but you would think this is kind of mid, basically, you know? Um, but now to see those same guys and, you know, we're 12 years, 13 years removed from that match on this major stage and finally Shima and finally T-Hawk are getting their kind of like just do it's a fitting, you know, it's so fitting to see them and Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, all these guys who are like, you know, whether people realize it or not, they're, they're veterans of the sport who have really put in their time. They're, they're, they're older veterans, but who can still really, really go. And now they're on this national stage and they're getting a new platform here in the States to kind of do what they're doing. It, it was a fitting first match for this company on the main stage. Yeah, that thing where uh, they have them and they take their legs and they spin them up and, you know, flip them over and kind of kick them. And I was just like, it's not used that much in North American wrestling that I see. And I was just like, how smooth everything was. And like, yeah. they definitely gave me a LIJ feel in some of the combinations that they put together, because that's pretty much all I have to, you know, go against. And I was like, <laughs> so it was like, I, I was like, that was the only comparison I have. And it was just so, I was just like in awe. I'm like, I am, a, you know, I am a talker, but, like for about five minutes during this match, it was just silence and me trying to make sure I could catch everything because they were moving so quick. And it was just like, this is, this is okay. Why am I not watching this all the time? (laughs) They were really good. Well, sir, you can, uh, you know, subscribe to the dragon gate network. I don't know what their, their official uh, streaming service is, but they've got more where that came from <laughs> I definitely and I definitely would I already watch 20 hours of wrestling a week so oh I, my God. I, I, I I am good I am not adding anything to that list <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm actually eliminating stuff <laughs> I'm like that's good <laughs> yeah I'm like yeah it's like I don't watch 205 live anymore I don't watch NXT UK I'm like I'm a subscriber to the network I'm already giving them my money it doesn't matter if I actually press play or not but um Yes, yeah, so I already watched that much TV, especially when like something like uh, Best of the Super Juniors or G1's going on. I'm watching a shit ton of wrestling. And so, <laughs> yeah. I, so. I don't have any specific notes on this match. Uh, I will say this. There's no spots that really stick out to me necessarily. Uh, it kind of felt in a way like, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, everybody got in a good bit of offense, and everyone was really impressive here, especially Scorpio Sky. Huh. But it felt sort of like SCU came out here to kind of do their shtick, and then after they did their shtick, as far as the in-ring action was concerned, it was more about presenting Shima, T-Hawk, and El Lindemann as new commodities to this North American audience because they got, I would say, about 60 to 70% of the offense in this match. Yeah, Linderman. Oh my God, his strength. Oh, Judo he, man. Yeah, he's so little, but he's just like he's doing the the, uh, the Germans deadlift Germans. I'm like, dude, this dude is freaking awesome. Uh, how, how how bad do you want to see him and Tyler Bate? Oh, oh man, man, take my money, take it all <laughs> right now. Uh, T Hawk spitting into some kind of submission. I think it was on Christopher da- Daniels, like that leg submission. I was like, how did I could. I was like, you know, when you were young and you would see something for the first time, and then you would try to do it on your friends. I was like, I don't. 
how did he do that? I like was pressing play and and fa- backing up him. Like, how did he get him into this leg hold? I, I the, just... the the funny thing is that this is a very slowed down version of what you typically see in the Dragon Gate system. So it was very very interesting in that way. But yeah, these guys were so smooth. I thought this was a perfect fitting like introductory match for to start off the show with two totally contrasting but complementary styles and i i really dug this match i enjoyed it a lot yes i uh, i absolutely enjoyed it uh, a ton he got me excited you know the term that they use a lot when talking about what they were going to present as far as what AEW was is fresh and this was very fresh it was something even someone that watches as much wrestling as i do that there was something I hadn't seen. So like for the people like that were behind me and they were like, are these guys like, okay. And they were like, are these guys like the best in the world or whatever? And I'm like, man, I'm seeing them for the first time too. And we were all just very impressed with this match. I think, I think this match, as far as getting everybody over was, I think that the goal was to get everyone over. I think it definitely uh, did that goal. The, the great thing about this card, no match really got shafted when it came to time. They got a little less than 14 minutes. They got to showcase all of their stuff. I'm very excited to see where we go with the Strong Hearts. And I'm very excited, actually, to see the rest of the OWE roster that gets introduced. Because what those guys are doing, if you've seen the GIFs, it's different from these traditional Dragon Gate system guys. And so we haven't even seen what OWE really has to offer so far. Like, th- I wouldn't say this was indicative of that whatsoever. Um, there was some controversy about Jim Ross uh, calling the uh, the Stronghearts uh, Chinese talent, but I think it was more of a confusion. Just he's not as familiar with them. And um, X- because they're... Re- I was going to say Excalibur did a good job of every time he's saying that, coming back and saying... You know, these are Japanese guys that work in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't hold that too much against Jim Ross because I don't imagine that he's – I mean, I watched him in New Japan, so I know he doesn't know that. If he's not familiar with the most, you know, um, the most, like, exposed product out there, then he probably is not even at all familiar with, you know – dragon gate or the dragon gate system or owe so that makes total sense so i don't hold it against him too much but um aside from that yeah this was great uh ultimately scu ended up uh picking up the win here though yes uh, they ended up picking up the win with the best melter ever uh on uh lindeman took the uh l lindeman took the fall uh i it was just a really well done match and it's funny yeah it's funny because you know of course, they don't do the whole move protection thing. I was like, their finisher, uh, a couple other finishers look remarkably similar going through this, and they were all tag teams. So it's kind of funny. I just thought about that. I was like, I guess finisher protection can work because it seems like similar they are, to whose protection or similar uh, to whose finish. Uh, their finisher is similar to um, the best friends, and then of oh, course, gotcha. and the young bucks. Yeah. They all basically do the same type of thing. So it's just interesting. Uh, I was thinking about that, you know, with a uh, whole move protection thing. And they're all, you know, they all kind of finish you the same way. 
But well, they they hit the best Meltzer ever, right? Yeah. Which is well, I think that the, the deal there is that it, when they introduced the best Meltzer ever, and I could be wrong here, but if I remember correctly, they were trying to one up the Young Bucks, and that's kind of where the genesis of that movie even came from because. They were doing the Meltzer driver, and then they're like, oh, well, we're going to do the best Meltzer ever. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely understand. It's just like if I'm someone new, you know, their moves look really, really similar, you know? Yeah, that, and, that's true. It's just like, yeah, it's like, okay, the only way, quite, only way to beat someone is to spike pile drive them. <laughs> there was quite a few instances where people had similar types of moves on this show, which is something you don't see in, say, like WWE. It's kind of like... And this this move is this this guy's and this move is this guy's and over here they're like no be who you are use your move set and if someone else uses the same move it's fine yeah they can just you know do it better or not as good as you which is like I said it was awesome uh, did you um, do you have a star rating for this match uh you know I didn't do star ratings but I am looking at the cage match ratings Dave Meltzer gave this four stars the cage match. Cage match inmates gave it seven point six seven, which would average out to about three, a little less than three and three quarters, I guess. Uh-huh. So that's um, just a smidge beneath what uh, what Dave gave it. Gave it, but I would probably agree it was right in there. It's just below four stars. It's a great opener. Yeah, definitely great opener. Uh, I had it at three seven five, which is good. Uh, so yeah, that was definitely. I mean, crowds uh, crowd was super hyped after that match. Waiting for the next match. And the next match, we get the triple th- announced triple threat match. We get Kylie Ray, who came out first, and he's doing her Kylie Ray thing. Nyla Rose. Uh, I love the American Kaiju gimmick. That name. I just think that's like one of the best nicknames ever. Uh, and then uh, Britt Baker came out. Uh, DMD. I Kylie got a big pop. And I thought Nyla's was good. I did not think Brits was all that great from in the building. At this point, I didn't really notice too much about the pops or anything like that. But I did think it was interesting what Cody had said during StarCast where he kind of threw some shade at WWE where he mentioned how he alluded to the idea that they kind of ruined Bailey on the main roster. And uh, I might be – I'm paraphrasing here, but he basically said that with Kylie Ray. They're going to show them how it's really done. Yeah, and Kylie Ray, basically, she's legit nice instead of someone playing nice on the main roster or whatever. I It was a, it was like, what did Bailey do to you, shot? I was like, I, it was crazy. Yeah, people people did take that the kind of in a bad way. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say the wrong way because I don't want to criticize because maybe he was misspeaking. I don't know. I did see him kind of take it back a bit. Uh and I'm not huge on Twitter, so you guys probably know better than I do. But he did kind of say, like, oh, no, I wasn't misspeaking against Bailey. I was saying how she was handled on the main roster, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's funny because uh, he doesn't usually go, you know, like Cody doesn't, you know, go, like, at people directly. It was more of the – the. it was just – it felt like a – like sitting in the crowd – at the press conference, it felt like a direct shot at her. <laughs> you know, yeah, but I guess he didn't people, mean it. People misspeak, and sometimes, yeah. you know, as we've seen this past week with Cody, he God. took quite a few shots at WWE. <laughs> Which was awesome. It was just awesome. It was honestly, he set the tone that every fan wanted to be set, you know, so that's good. 
Uh, and that well, way, every 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 non WWE fan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he set a tone, and then we get Brandy come out, and she comes out in gear, full gear. I'm like, so is Brandy adding herself to the match? That is my actual thought when she comes out with no oh, announcer. Speaking, speaking of which, before we move on, since you mentioned full gear, what did you think about the fact that we never really got an actual payoff to the full gear challenge at all? We got a payoff on BTE. Uh, oh, on yeah, on BTE, Cody told him, I was basically making sure you were ready. You were full gear ready all along. Okay, gotcha. Never mind. Yeah, yes. Disregard. Yeah, so he did that on BTE. It was kind of, it wasn't the result we wanted. It was, it was like, okay, th- all this shit has happened. We have to give someone some kind of payoff for this. And then, mm. you know, they did what they could. Uh, but yeah, Brandy comes out. Uh, whose music is amazing. Love her music. Uh, she comes out and she's in full gear and it looks like she's like about to add herself to the match. She says, I never said any, you know, that you didn't have a chance to win this match. I didn't lie to you, but I, and I think this triple threat match is going to be great, but I want it to be awesome. And then uh, more music hits. And I, like, as as soon as she said that, I literally jumped up out of my seat and I was like, it's awesome, Kong! It's awesome, Kong! And like, everyone else is still sitting. And I was just like running around the apartment because I knew immediately, as soon as she said awesome, I was like, oh my God. And let me tell you, best kept secret. Ever, <laughs> I didn't. I'm like I am. I am there. Ed Starcast in every line. Everybody's talking about what they think is going to happen in the show. Not one person said this. And if they say they did, they're fucking liar. <laughs> they did not say this. I was shocked. I popped. I jumped up. I screamed because I I was a big awesome Kong fan in Impact. And it, oh my god, it was like. How did they keep this a secret? I mean, there's like an extra 20,000 wrestling fans in town, and nobody nobody knew she was there. Bro, it was so awesome to see her come out. Everyone that I was with was like, when was the last time she wrestled? I was like, well, it went like this. She was she basically was in WWE. So she, she said she was leaving to have a child. Then the next thing I know, she's the welfare queen on GLOW, and then she's here. That's like the whole timeline in my mind. I'm sure that she's actually like Kia Stevens had other matches. She has. She worked done, in Impact for a few years. I know she's done other stuff, but in my mind, none of that exists. Yes. WWE Welfare Queen. Now she's here and she's about to wreck shit. Yeah, she did some great matches in Impact after she left WWE with uh, Gail Kim, and they were awesome. Uh, but yeah, no pun intended. But uh, yeah, like she comes in and she's just. I mean. Walking badass. When uh, Jim Ross always points to the fact that she he well, when he was signing people, he she came and he saw her. And she thought she was a great talent and told her, "WWE's looking for a type of person, and you're not it." He's like, "I wanted to sign her. She was a great wrestler, but she wasn't what Vince was looking for." And and he you know and you know she finally made it to the WWE, and you know they didn't do a lot with her, but now. She's in uh, now. She's here, and she's like the moment she walks to the ring, you'd like a badass is coming through, you know. 
And it's yeah, man, it's like you know something's about to happen, and she does that back fist and knocks the shit out of people. Uh, I mean, yeah, y- y- y'all don't know. I mark out for Awesome Kong all day. I don't care. I am. I I think she's just so good. And the match. What did you think of how the match like overall? I enjoyed it quite a bit. I have heard some criticisms. I do think it was a bit disconjointed. Um, I don't know whether to believe this because everybody in wrestling's, you know, they're all carnies. <laughs> but according to the reports I've read and the interviews I've seen with these women, Britt Baker and uh, Kylie Ray and Nyla Rose all claim they didn't know Awesome Kong would be in the match. I find that hard to actually believe. But it did kind of seem, in a way, like the match was sort of like a Britt Baker-Kylie Ray match where they would interject the two monsters from time to time. And by monsters, I just mean monster heels. I don't want to sound like I'm disparaging women. But uh, it did kind of seem like they were kind of just sprinkled in from time to time and Awesome Kong and uh, Nyla Rose would end up, um, you know, kind of on the outside for long periods of time. And it is difficult to have a four-way, you know, especially, you know, it just is difficult. You know, it's it's not yeah. a match that's given itself well to being a great match. But 